What's up guys, Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Tour Championship and oh mama, this is going to be a long one. You're going to want to strap in for this because this week, almost more than any other week, maybe the match play is similar. It is so much about strategy and game theory, even more so than kind of the guys that you pick. So it is a brand new foray of things that we are going to get into here because there is a staggered start this week. That means depending on your standings in the FedEx Cup playoffs, you actually start with a score. That's right. Dustin Johnson is going to start at 10 under par and he is priced accordingly on DraftKings. So there is a lot of theory. I've got new things to show you. I've got some old things from last year to show you that worked really, really well. Um, So we're going to get into all of that. But first, uh, again, another great week for the community last week. I want to give a couple of shout outs. I've I've had to pare these down, quite frankly. Um, It's awesome to get a, a bunch of screenshots and emails and Slack messages and all that stuff on Sunday evenings. Um, and I could take 35 minutes to go through them all. So I just want to shout out at least some new guys, some new new people, names I might not have seen before. Uh, real quick here, because I think I think people want to hear this. Uh, Brandon Beery, first of all, not only won $80 on Jock Market in the free roll, won $120 on DraftKings. Congratulations. Timbo, with a John Rahm victory, turned his $5 into $165. Barry at Taves, or as I call him, Burritos, turned his $120 into $231. Mark came into the Slack channel with a $500 win on DraftKings. Uh, Richard Bartleson turned his $5 into $625 with a John Rahm win. He said he just started betting golf a month ago, and I believe this is one that he picked up uh, either Friday night or Saturday morning. John Rahm was like 125 to 1 at one point. Uh, Greg Ducharme and I on the First Cup podcast mentioned him uh, Friday evening as a potential guy who might fly up the leaderboard, uh, and he did just a bit more than that. Uh, Josh Slayton, congratulations, $840 on a John Rahm victory. The Mush God uh, had a couple of here. Uh, Rahm win, let's see, ends up cashing out. Oh, I'm going to, I I went out of order here. I'll save that one. I'll save that one, the Mush God. Sam Danes. 250 into 2,500. Congratulations. Uh, John the Greek. I don't know if he gave himself that nickname or someone has assigned him that nickname. 316 into 3,300. Congratulations. Josh Slayton again. This is my favorite one here because he had a Rom Phil Mickelson parlay. So that's a Phil to win the Champions Tour and a John Rom to win this one. Uh, that cashes for $3,500. Gene Kim, congrats. Uh, wins the PGA 20K baller. I believe that was on Yahoo. Might have to check out Yahoo. Um, Eric, uh, no, sorry. I'm jumping all around here. Okay, the Mush God. I've got three different lines for the Mush God. He absolutely destroyed it. From what I can tell here, he cashed in, let me do the math, 12,500 thanks to John Rahm winning the BMW Championship. Again, these are just a handful of ones that I wanted to mention. Congratulations to everybody. The community has been red hot. Um, we've been doing great stuff at rickrungood.com. Also, oh, f- almost forgot about this. I announced a one and done league. Yeah, 
It starts at the Safeway Open next week. So if you wanted to get into a one-and-done, and I get emails all the time, I want to play in a one-and-done. When does the next one start? It starts next week. I'm hosting it. Yeah, so go to rickrungood.com OAD. I will link it in the description, and you can sign up. $100 if you would like to join. I am taking no cut of this. I'm not making a dime. Let me just throw that out there. It'll just be a lot of fun to follow. I'll make content about it. Uh, a one-and-done league that is going to run from the Safeway Open through next year's tour championship. All the information is on rickrungood.com OAD. If you would like to enter a draw for me to pay your entry fee in the one and done. That's right. So if you've already signed up I'll and you win, I'll refund it. If you haven't signed up yet, I'll pay for your fee. There are two ways to enter. If you are on YouTube, make sure you are subscribed to the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. Uh, like this video and tell me who's going to win the tour championship. If you are on iTunes, go over there. This is like the easiest way you can make 100 bucks, by the way. And if you win the one and done, you turn it into a couple thousand, most likely. Um, go to 300 Yards to Unknown, the podcast version of this show. Leave a five-star rating and review. Say something nice about the show and leave me your Twitter handle. That will also be in the description. Those are two ways to get entered. And it's like basically free money that you can turn into more free money, which I don't think you can beat. All right. We've got announcements out of the way. This is going to be maybe my favorite show of the year outside of the match play. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it. The Tour Championship. The final 30 golfers in the FedEx Cup standings are going to play this week at Eastlake. Eastlake is a course that we have a ton of great history for because it's hosted the Tour Championship every year since I want to say 2005. So we have a lot of great history on it. And you can go through the history. You can go through the recent form. You can go through all that. I want to spend a lot of time on how this is actually going to work on DraftKings this week. Because you are going to see salaries that you have never seen before. For example, Dustin Johnson is 15200 because he is starting this event at 10 under par. To put that into perspective, Justin Thomas last year was 15500 Okay, so this is similar. Then the bottom of the player pool, Mark Leishman is 5000 and we've got, what, eight, nine guys under 6000 which would normally be the minimum price. So you have a much larger range of salaries this week, and it's all because of this staggered start. So what you're seeing here on the spreadsheet is everything that you normally see, including my projections that are all kind of jacked up for this week, quite honestly, because of the scoring and how this is all going to work. And the salaries, it's all jacked up. Uh, but anyway, you've got what the starting score is. So you can see Webb Simpson, 11,000. He's starting at six under par. You can sort by starting score if you would like. Okay. And you can look at what the salaries are and you can look at everything else. Um, the big thing though is your golfers are going to start before the event even starts, before they hit a single tee shot with finishing position points on draft kicks. So Dustin Johnson, when he hits his first shot, he's going to have 30 points for first place. It doesn't mean he keeps those. If he immediately makes quadruple bogey on the first hole and drops to fifth, he's going to lose those uh, 30 
points and he's going to go down to fifth place points. Okay. So it's going to be very fluid throughout the week. It's not like you're guaranteed to maintain those points. It is just that he's going to start that way. Is two shots a lot? Yes and no. So last year, Justin Thomas's lead, his two-shot lead, disintegrated almost immediately. Um, and what we've heard from golfers, uh, you know, talking about the staggered start, is that two shots over the course of four days is not a lot. Now, is ten shots a lot? Is Mark Leishman, who's trying to come back from nine shots back, is that a lot? Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but I want, I have a tool for you that is going to allow you to see. The different ranges of outcomes. Now, before I jump into that, the event history over here, keep in mind, this is only the second year of the staggered start. So what you see in 2019, um, that was the staggered start. So Justin Thomas, you know, technically he started first, he finished third. So you kind of have to look at it a bit differently. Uh, But anything before that, everyone would have started at even part. Now, the big tool for this week is going to be this matrix, and it is on the cheat sheet. If you want to download it and play with it yourself, by all means, go right ahead, have a blasty blast. Uh, But this is the matrix that I built last year that essentially, I don't don't want to take credit for Rory for Rory winning the golf tournament, right? Rory was the best player in the world last year. He won this golf tournament. But it correctly identified that Rory was basically as far back as someone could be to win the golf tournament, okay? Uh, because being eight, nine, ten shots back, you're, you're probably not playing for first place. So let me show you what this matrix is, uh, what it looked like last year, how it works, and how we can use that to make better decisions for this year. This is the matrix. Uh, I hope you can see this. Um, And also, if you're listening on the pod version, I'll try to describe it, but this is kind of a very visual episode. Um, I've loaded in every player in the field, so all 30 players in the field, what their starting score is. And then I've loaded in their ranges of outcomes. So I can try to explain this um, the best that I can. Using what a golfer's uh, strokes gained averages are what their standard deviation is. That's what we talk about a lot on the betting side of it, where I say someone like Dustin Johnson, who has a very high floor. He also has a very low, I'm sorry, a very high ceiling. He also has a very low floor because his, his standard deviation, he's, he's all over the place. Um, if you use both the, the mean and the standard deviation, you can see what type of outcomes are necessary for a golfer to actually make up this many strokes. So without even doing anything, all I've done is I've loaded in each player's starting position, their averages, all their stats. I've loaded all of that in. And basically, if you look at this and say, okay, well, um, if every single golfer plays to their average over four days, every single golfer plays to their average, John Rahm is going to win this golf tournament. Okay, because John Rahm is actually going to make up uh, not only the two shots behind that he is, but he's also going to make up about an extra half a shot. So he would be uh, over over infinity, right? Uh, 14.77 under par. Now he's starting at eight under. Now, Dustin Johnson, uh, if he plays to his average, quote unquote, only gets to 14.3 under par. So if every single golfer played to their average for four holes, John Rahm would win. 
Dustin Johnson would finish second. Justin Thomas would finish. Justin Thomas would finish third, and Webb Simpson would finish fourth. Now, is every golfer going to play to their average? Of course not. Of course not. Let me show you what happened last year to give you an idea. Okay, so before I do that, this column right here, column T, a 50%, that is saying that every golfer is playing to their 50th percentile finish. That means they're to their average, okay? If they play to a 75th percentile, it means they're playing above average, okay? If they go to 25, it means they're playing below their average, for example. So that's what that 50th means. So when I show you what happens last year, you'll have a better idea of some of the ranges of outcomes that you can get in a golf tournament. So what you are looking at right now is the results from last year and the type of performance that it took to get to this point. So here's Rory McIlroy, who started in fifth last year at five under. He ended up winning this golf tournament because he had a 75th percentile performance. That's not his ceiling. It's above his average, but it is not his... um, his his ceiling okay so he could he could have gone he could have done better than this uh brooks kepka played essentially very close to his average he played to his 55th percentile and he went from third to second he played pretty close to average now the guys that really struggled um had uh, we'll start with justin thomas that was probably the 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 big one he goes from first to third i believe and he had a 29th percentile performance that means he played below his average now the guys that really played to their floor some of the worst performances we've ever seen from them Dustin Johnson and Patrick Cantlay less than one percent I mean that is a bottom of the barrel type of performance Um, Xander Shoffley was able to fly up the leaderboard because he had an 85th percentile performance Uh, Ches Reavy he played very well so that those are the ranges of outcome let's jump back to 2020 and kind of see how this how this would work for this year so here we go. If every single golfer, so here's what here's what I want to do here. Let me zoom this in real quick. If every golfer plays to their average, but uh, Justin Thomas has a 65th percentile performance, he would win. Okay. Now let's see how low we can go here. 60th, no. 62. He would finish in second. 63rd, no. 64th. If he has a 64th percentile performance and everyone else plays to their average, he wins. So is that likely? Sure. That's well within the range of outcomes for for Justin Thomas. He can have a slightly better than average week and the guys ahead of him, the guys below him can have an average week. Now he can have a 64th percentile week, but if Webb Simpson has a 75th percentile week, slightly better than that, uh, Webb Simpson would win. So it's not all just like everyone's going to play to their average and some guys are going to play a little bit better than that. So uh, let's say, let's go further down the list. I want to illustrate how, how, how hard this would be. Sebastian Munoz, he's starting at three under par. Uh, for Sebastian Munoz to get into first, let's see what he would need. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no. He would need... He would need a 99.99% percentile finish, essentially. Essentially, the highest ceiling we've ever possibly could imagine from Sebastian Munoz is what he would need to do. And even if he does that, he might not even win. 
He might finish third. He might finish second. Uh, like, like it is. It would be so hard for him, based on his numbers and based on what we know his current ceiling is. Uh, he would need to have essentially the four rounds of his life, and it still might not be good enough. So that, that that's the illustration I want to make here. Is you really need to decide who can actually win this golf tournament. I mean, Billy Horschel, a 99th percentile finish, yeah, that would get him there unless any of these other guys do anything, right? That's if everyone else plays to their average. So it is going to be very, very difficult for these golfers to make up a lot of ground. So who is, so So last year we identified Rory McIlroy was the guy who is furthest back that can probably win this golf tournament. Who is it this year? Oh man, I'm not sure there's as, I mean, let's start with Rory. Rory's seven back. It's a lot. And, 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 and I don't even want to bring into the fact that Rory's wife, Erica is on the verge of having a child at any moment. And if she has it next week, he's withdrawing from this event. I'm not letting that come into my decision-making because like, I can't predict how these guys are going to play. I'm certainly not going to try to predict when their wife is going to have a baby. Okay. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not even thinking about if he happens to WD and smokes me fine. It is what it is, but I'm not even considering it this week. Um, what would he need? Because he has a very high ceiling. What would he need to get to first? He would need a pretty special one. He would need, Wow. He would need a 95th percentile performance. So again, that is essentially two full standard deviations above uh, his average. He would need to have the four rounds of his career, essentially. Almost. Almost of his career. uh, To finish first with no one else playing above average. Okay? So I'm not sure it's Rory this, this year that can come back without the top falling. Um, Bryson does have a very high floor. Let's see what he would need. He's six shots back. He's probably going to need something special. Uh, maybe not, maybe not that special. 77th, maybe. Yeah. A 77th percentile finish. 76, 76th percentile finish with everyone else above him and below him playing to average. That's not so bad to be quite frank. So, so, so maybe Bryson, is the furthest back that could win this golf tournament realistically, right? Without a lot of other things happening. Um, Webb Simpson is probably in the driver's seat or like the value seat from like guys of, he's only $11,000 on DraftKings. He's four shots back, but he has a higher ceiling than both Justin Thomas and John Rahm, believe it or not. So you're talking about, um, what would he need here? I mean, Webb gets there with a 68th percentile performance. That's pretty good. He could do that. That, that to me, feels like the most natural spot of guys who can come back. Um, could Berger do it? I mean, Berger's been – Berger's the, the thing with Berger is he's been very consistent. Uh, recently he, he hasn't like, of course he won the Charles Schwab challenge, but he hasn't really shown that super high ceiling that like, if he goes nuclear, he can make up six shots in four rounds over guys who are going to also continue to play well. So Webb feels like he's in the sweet spot, quite frankly. 
some of the value guys. So if you're trying to get Dustin Johnson in your lineup, if you're trying to get John Rahm in your lineup, whatever, um, there are, I think, some of these value guys that are better than others. Mackenzie Hughes, to me, is... This is gonna this is gonna bite me. This is like Monday morning. I'm recording this. I think he's I think he's the best the best option down here pretty significantly. Um, and, and I'll tell you a couple of reasons why. First of all, his ceiling is a lot better than a lot of these guys. So if he goes out and he has an 85th percentile performance, he can get himself into 11th place. Okay, maybe a top 10 if things if things shake out well for him at the top. Um, which is kind of what you're asking for. You know, can one of these guys from 25 to 30, can they move up into the top 15? Can they move up into the top 10? That's what Ches Reeve did last year. Ches Reeve started, I don't know if he started at even or one under, um, but he was the guy who unlocked all of the lineups last week or last year because he was like 51, 5,200 bucks, very, very cheap. And he finished eighth. That's it. He only, he finished eighth. Okay. He didn't win the golf tournament. So you're just, if one of these guys from the, from the 25 to thirties can move up into the eight through 13, that that's what unlocks these, the victories here. I think it might be Mackenzie Hughes. Um, not only has he been, uh, a lot better recently, not only is he volatile, which I think is good in this situation. Uh, his results are good at difficult courses. Now Eastlake, uh, 14th out of 49 in terms of difficulty last year, it's a difficult course. It's going to play firm and fast. It's going to bite back at times. Um, Mackenzie Hughes, what finishes second at Honda, uh, played well at, hold on, let me pull this up so I can actually quote the real numbers here. He finishes second at Honda, sixth at the Memorial Muirfield village, 10th at the BMW. Uh, those are like the three hardest courses we've seen this year. Outside of PGA Championship, maybe Bay Hill for Arnold Palmer Invitational. But, like, he's got three top tens at three of the five most difficult courses that we've seen this year. I, I think I like that a lot. So, um, Mackenzie Hughes is one of those guys. Uh, Billy Horschel, just from an upside standpoint, has has more upside than, like, a Cam Champ. Um, I think that's interesting. You know, Cam Smith, this, this might come back and bite me. I'm pretty sure if you play Cam Smith, this is going to bite me hard. I think that's wrong. I think it's kind of wrong. I, I just don't think he has. I, I know he plays well on uh, on difficult courses. I know he kind of just f- finds his way up to the top of the leaderboards, leaderboards sometimes. He does it via the short game, which I don't love. And um, his like I, I need super high ceiling. I need super high ceiling in this situation. Cam Smith does not have nearly as high of a ceiling as some of these other, other guys do. Um, also, like a Joaquin Neiman, you know, his his ceiling is not as high as I would like. Um because he, he gets by the numbers, right? By the numbers. Because he gets weighed down by a lot of bad results. But, like, we saw him win the Greenbrier. We saw him uh, touch the lead last week, the BMW Championship. We saw him charge up the leaderboard on Sunday at the RBC Heritage. That's the type of guy that I think can possibly win you this GPP. Now, a couple other things before we jump back and we'll do more of a standard preview. But uh, I also have this little, like, winning score to par matrix over here, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, essentially it says, uh, if the winning score is X, how often can a golfer get there? So if we look at what the winning score was last year, it was 18 under Rory won by four shots, by the way, that's insane. Um, it was 18 under. So if we go to 18 under, that's right here. There's only so many guys based on their starting position, based on what their numbers are, who can get there. Uh, Dustin Johnson gets there about 35% of the time. 
John Rahm gets there about 27%. And it doesn't mean that two of these guys can't get here or three or four or five of these guys can't get here. But like Billy Horschel, I mean, he's got to go 18 under in four rounds. I have him doing that 0.2% of the time. He just he just can't get there. So if you look at if you look at that, you'll see Bryson really does kind of jump out at you because he is um he, he, I have him getting there at 12% of the time. That is more often than Harris English, Daniel Berger, Colin Morikawa. Uh, he's cheaper than only Morikawa. I guess he is kind of priced maybe appropriately. But this is a nice little matrix. And you'll see, like, if it gets to 22 under, if the winning score gets to 22 under, DJ is basically the only guy who can get there. Uh, John Rahm gets there 8% of the time. DJ gets there 21% of the time. So this is a really, you really have to unlock your brain this week. You got to unlock it. You got to think different. You got to embrace the weird, embrace the volatility. Let's jump back over. We'll do the course key stats. We'll look at some, some more traditional things, but this is how you unlock it this week. This right here, the range of outcomes and the possibilities of what can actually happen in a tournament where the, the 30 participants are going to be spread out by 10 strokes. This is how you unlock it. All right, here's your course key stats. East Lake Golf Club, par 70, 7,300 yards. Bermuda Grass Greens outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, it's kind of funny. I have the grass specialist broken down here. You know, guys that gain more on Bermuda than they do on other surfaces. And the list is so short because there's only 30 <laughs> that the grass specialist, and this could have been one chart. I didn't have to break it down into two different charts. It's so short. Now, we have very strong course history around here. Uh, it is a bit skewed because of who plays here. So it, a lot of times you get like, oh, uh, like like one of the highest correlated stats is, and I never say this one, FedEx Cup playoff points. Yeah, I, I run a lot of correlated stats, by the way. Uh, that's one of them. Uh, of course it is, because the only people who get here are the ones that that are uh, that have qualified for the top 30. So of course it is. Um, but... The, the thing that is really noteworthy here is strokes gained approach. Uh, strokes gained approach is an important stat on its head by itself every single week. However, there are only six other courses on the PGA Tour out of 50 that strokes gained approach is more important at than here at Eastlake. So that's what you need to consider. So it's seventh out of 50. Off the tee is 17th out of 50. Those two alone are by, by far and away uh, the, the, the most important stats of the week, everything else. I mean, almost for, it's from 50th to or 40th to 50th. Uh, they're just not as important. So it's all about ball strikers this week. Those are the ones that tend to have success. And then of course you throw in the wrinkle of the, um, of the staggered start. Now let's talk about strokes gain approach. Who leads this field in strokes gain approach? Well, Justin Thomas does. He's the only guy over 1.1, 1 1.0 per round. He's 11,900. Colin Morikawa is second. He's 10,400. Hideki, 93. And here's your value. Joaquin Neiman, 6,300. Terrell Hatton, Webb Simpson, they round out the next little bit. You go to strokes gained off the tee. Bryson, of course, number one. Cam Champ, number two. John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, Xander Shoffley. Uh, you'll notice that Joaquin Neiman is like 15th in off the tee and what? Fourth in approach. That's pretty good. Uh, that would be someone I'd be looking at. I mean, th there's th the prices are so skewed. It's absolutely wild stuff. Um, so you can flip through these. Of course, I, again, I think this is more about roster construction. I think it is more about strategy. 
It is about picking your spots, understanding the range of outcomes this week. Um, but yeah, I mean, just just some of these guys. I think I think that the as much as I want to play Dustin Johnson because he's been phenomenal, second first second, uh, including a playoff loss last week. As much as I want to play him, I'm not doing it for the two shots, right? Like what I what I've already seen is if everyone plays to their average, John Rahm's going to win this golf tournament. So if you're playing DJ, you're not doing it for the two shots. You're doing it because you think he's going to you think he's the best player in the field and you think he's going to play like that this week. Uh, which makes John Rahm really enticing because he's $2500 cheaper and He's the guy that if everyone plays to their averages, he's going to win the golf tournament. So you get that relief. Now, it's scary to fade Dustin Johnson. I understand that. Um, JT, probably the guy that goes overlooked here because he hasn't played as well. He still has a very high ceiling. Uh, but you can go down and you can get Webb at 11,000. You know I like him. He's the only guy who didn't play last week. So he's coming in on, on rested legs. Uh, you can get Bryson, who I told you has one of the highest ceilings out there. He's probably the guy furthest back that can win this. He's he's four under. He's ten thousand one hundred. So I think JT probably gets forgotten about here. Maybe even Colin Morikawa. Um, now Morikawa, I will say this. So he missed the cut at the Northern Trust, and then um, followed that up with. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he wins the PGA Championship, misses the the Northern Trust. That's fine. You miss the cut after your first major championship of your career. That's okay. Um, Slow start the BMW, but over the course of the weekend, he was one of the best players in the field. I think he was seventh in the field in strokes gained total on the weekend. So Morikawa and JT, those are your pivots. They're your pivots there. Um, And remember, you're going to have six out of 30 guys in this, like you're going to have 20% of the entire field in each one of your lineups. Ownership's going to be sky high. Anybody under like 20% owned is like, uh, that's going to be considered low owned this week. Like, think about that, right? You're going to have 20% of the entire field in your lineups this week. Um, then when you start to compare, I actually kind of like to compare them by their starting positions here. So like, if you look at the guys that are four under, we already talked a lot about Bryson, uh, Berger's here. He's been great. There's probably a little disrespect for, for Harris English at 87. He has been statistically in the restart and a little bit before one of the best players. Now we haven't seen him at, at East Lake since, uh, 2015, he finished 22nd. So there's not a lot to go on there. Um, but I do think there's a little bit of disrespect in that $8,700 price tag. And then Sung JM, as much as I want to play this guy, as much as I'd love to at $7,300, um, I mean, he just seems broken. There's just, just everything's going wrong. The game is in really, really poor shape. The three unders, I mean, Rory is, of course, here. Um, I, I do think that there's a couple of interesting things. There should probably not be a almost $4,000 difference between the guys at three under. Um, you know, Sebastian Munoz, for as much as I have played Sebastian Munoz in the last three weeks, for as much as he has been my pathway to victory a couple of times in the 500,000. Um, and he let me down at the Wyndham. That was the big one. If he could have done anything on the weekend, at the Wyndham, I'd have $500,000 in my bank account. Um, has played well recently. You know, he makes a lot of birdies. He does it in an ugly fashion, but 18th at the Northern trust eighth at the BMW. I, I obviously like Patrick Reed a lot better. I like Roy McElroy a lot better. I like Xander a lot better, but you're talking about a guy who's starting at three under and he's, 5,900. That's, that's interesting, right? I mean, even if he just like, 
Can he move up? So he's going to start at what, 15th? Can he move up to 10th? Can he move up to 8th? Uh, I think he kind of can, right? So I don't I don't mind that at all. Joaquin Neiman, we talked about him a ton. Um, Lonto Griffin, sub 6K. Unchartered territory. Reed Fowler tweeted this at me. Unchartered territory this week uh, to get Lonto under 6K. He's been great. He's been great. 10th place finish uh, last week at the BMW in tough conditions. You got to love it. Um, I suspect that... See, the thing is, when you start getting to like the two unders and the one unders here, um, the name recognition in some of these guys, Tony Finau, even Terrell Hatton, Scotty Scheffler, who's been hot recently, I think they suck up all of that. And I think it just leaves Lonto for us, guys who like play DFS every single week and look at Lonto's name every single week. Um, The one unders... I mean, Kisner's been great. Kevin Nas got more upside. Leishman was historically bad last week. He's the he's the dead men. Not not that interested. But um, Victor Hovland, Mackenzie Hughes, Billy Horschel, they will be the guys that I will be plugging in, hoping that they're going to make that move from 26th or whatever to 11th. That's what I'm looking for. Those are the guys that I think are most likely to do it. Those are the guys that are going to be making my lineups um, with with those aspirations. I mean, I don't even know what else to do. What else to say? Should we do a, a custom model? Let's do a custom model, I guess. Um, all right. Well, we know how important strokes gain approach is. Let's just weigh the heck out of it. Uh, then we'll hit it with some strokes gained off the tee, uh, just for good measure. And then I've got 25 weights left. Man, um, let's do par four scoring. It's a par 70. So let's do 25 there and let's run this model real quick and see what pops out. Oh, Justin Thomas, my number one golfer. Uh, where's the value? Okay. Yeah. No surprise that Joaquin Neiman is my one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh ranked golfer. And he is 6,300. So I think you're getting an idea. I'm going to have a lot of Joaquin Neiman this week. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have a lot of them. Uh, Hovland also is like what? 10th on my list. 11th on my list. So my top 10 is JT, DJ, Rory, Hideki, Tony Finau, Morikawa, Joaquin Neiman, Xander Shoffley, Daniel Berger, Victor Hovland. Based on the very quick model I just ran that heavily weighs approach off the tee and par four scoring, those 10 golfers are my one through 10. Uh, The ones that are cheaper are obviously guys that I would probably have a lot more exposure to than the rest of these guys. And then we'll kind of be splitting hairs between, you know, the Rory McIlroy, the Hideki Matsuyamas of the world. Oh, low-key. By the way, low-key, Hideki Matsuyama's gained strokes putting in his last three starts. Think about that. What if he's like, what if he becomes just a a neutral putter? Wouldn't that be awesome? Anyway, that's a story for a different day uh, because we've already covered so much this week. Again, we'll put a bow on it with this. Think about strategy. Think about... um, what we've got going on this week. Oh, by the way, I'm doing, I completely forgot about this off the top. This tournament starts on Friday. It starts on Friday. Uh, it goes till Monday. I'm going to do a live chat on Thursday, uh, 2 PM Eastern. I believe, hold on. I, I scheduled it out 3 PM Eastern, 3 PM Eastern on Thursday. We'll go live on YouTube. Talk through all the stuff that you want. Uh, be there or be square. I should have mentioned that 35 minutes ago. My bad. Uh, but yeah, it's a Monday. It's a Thursday through or a Friday through Monday this week. It's going to end on Labor Day. My birthday, by the way. Uh, all right. That's it. 
I'm out of things to say. We have plenty more. Be tweeting a bunch of stuff out. Be everywhere this week. A uh, lot of good stuff coming. Let me know what you think. Tweet at me, at Rick Run Good. Leave a comment below. Best of luck this week. See ya.